Hi guys, Matt here with episode 47 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. I cannot believe it has been 47 weeks. Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us this long. It's pretty pretty rad. Uh, I can't believe it's been a year, but I guess it has. So yeah, rock and roll. Uh, before we dig into this, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Nata Tattoo. Nata Tattoo is a certified all natural, all vegan, and all organic tattoo care brand. Their renowned tattoo care kit covers all steps from how to treat and protect your fresh tattoos to how to keep them healthy and looking great even when they're fully healed. If you're on the West Coast, you can check them out at the Natural Products Expo West. So if you're a big fan of natural products, natural food, uh, and you're on the West Coast, I believe this takes place uh, in the Bay Area, March 9th through the 11th check them out there and if you are in the midwest and you are a big fan of tattoo conventions you can go to the villain arts tattoo show it's in chicago march 23rd through the 25th you can check out nata tattoo there uh go meet those people uh we actually met christy their founder when they were here in baltimore for the natural products expo east and we learned that the company was started because uh she wanted to create products that were really really good for her children who had uh sensitive skin so it started out with soaps and different for moisturizers and then it eventually uh, evolved into a tattoo care brand as her kids got older and started getting tattoos so um, it's pretty cool that it it the whole brand came to be because of a mom's love for her kids and uh, you know a mom's you know nurturing uh, feelings of wanting to protect them from the sun so that's kind of cool and we really really appreciate that she is doing what she's doing um, so yeah check out natatattoo.com if you uh, are interested in their products, you can get 25% off any of their products in their online store using our code CHOCOLATE25. It's all caps, chocolate, and the numbers 25. You can use that at checkout at their website, natatattoo.com, N-A-T-A-T-A-T-2.com. And again, uh, use the code CHOCOLATE25 in all caps at checkout to get 25% off your whole order. Uh, also, something really, really cool that we're going to be doing this week week and next is we're going to be doing a tattoo contest in our Facebook group. So the first things first, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, join it. It is facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Just go there, click request uh, to be a member and we will make sure to approve you. Uh, this week and next, we're going to be running, as I said, a tattoo contest sp uh, sponsored by Nata Tattoo, uh, where if you post a picture of your tattoo and tell a story behind it, tell us where you got it, you know what inspired you to get it, what the meaning is behind it, um, we, we will comment on it, we will like it, we will talk about it, and then we're going to pick a winner. Uh, there'll be a couple winners who will receive uh, their own Nata Tattoo tattoo care kits, along with some other great prizes from Nata Tattoo. Um, this is going to be something really fun i'm going to post pictures of my own tattoos justin and jordan are going to post theirs so join us post yours uh and you'll have a chance to win i think uh you'll find the products to be really really helpful um and they're actually really really high quality really good they smell great so um if you're interested in partaking again just go to facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants join up and then look for the thread that we're going to post starting this week uh for the nata tattoo sponsored tattoo contest uh, as always i also want to give out give a shout out to road microphones who have continuously supported us from day one. Uh, they're the reason that you're hearing my voice right now. I'm using the Rode NT-USB mic, which is extremely portable, and you can take it anywhere. Uh, so if you're interested in getting into podcasting or recording of any kind, uh, check out Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E.com. Uh, now, on to episode 47. So our, our guest this week is a good friend. Her name is Yvette Young. She is a Bay Area musician and creative. Uh, she does everything. She writes. She does visual art. She 
paints and draws. Um, she writes amazing guitar parts uh, and music for her band Covet. Uh, the band is a three-piece. My buddy Forrest plays drums in that band, and he is a absolute ringer on the kit. The dude is amazing. So uh, they are a badass band, and they're making some waves right now, doing some really really cool stuff. So if you aren't familiar with them, check out the band Covet. That's C O V E T. Um, but yeah, Yvette is awesome. She really opens up in this episode. She talks to us about uh, quite a few topics. Um, notably, she talks about growing up in a very strict Asian household and how that affected her creativity. She talks about an eating disorder that also uh, shaped the way that she looks at the world now and helped her really dig into being um, a musician and a creative and channeling a lot of her energy that she was putting into her eating disorder, into her music, and into her creative passions. Um, she talks about what she does on the side to make money. She talks about relationships in the music industry and how she uh, you know, is treated as a girl in a male-dominant world. Um, a lot of really great stuff that you can learn from in this talk. Uh, I think that everybody will be uh, really pleased to hear that she is a very down-to-earth, very smart person, and she has a lot of great things to say that, again, we can all take from and uh, hopefully apply to our own lives. So with that being said, I'm going to let you get into this. Here's episode 47 with Yvette Young of the band Covet. I'm Matt, and on behalf of Jordan and Justin, we will see you guys next week with episode 48. Enjoy. And yeah, there we go. We're going. We're recording. So, um, Yvette, thank you for joining us. This is episode 48. 47? 47. 47. 47 of the... Chocolate Croissants Podcast. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the reason that we call it Chocolate Croissants is because we like to eat chocolate croissants. And we started this eating chocolate croissants together once a week, well, sort of, and talking as a group about our own lives and things that are important to us and things that are going on and just kind of like a a very small self-help group between me, Justin, and his brother, Jordan. And then we started expanding out with other guests and other people and trying to have them tell their stories because we feel like we can learn a lot from them. Um, and that's what it's really all about. So we're really glad you could make it. Um, people were really excited when we told them in our Facebook group that you were going to be on the, on this episode. So uh, I'm yeah, it's awesome. And this feels like the, the most authentic time to have because we always looked at this as like a siesta it's like you know take a moment have a coffee eat your croissant and just catch up with people that inspire you your friends and you're like fresh for the day so it's perfect yeah right. just woke up yeah, good morning <laughs> nice um so as i was mentioning so when I, I we sent out a primer to all of our guests before uh before we have them on where we tell them about the podcast and i had asked you if there's anything you wanted to talk about or not talk about but one of the things that you mentioned i'm we don't have to spend a lot of time on this but i want to start here because <laughs> i think it'll be great um what is mythical beast erotica to you okay i, I threw that in there because one time i went on a huge tangent about it in a podcast and oh you did because yeah you mentioned like what topics have you discussed or are you comfortable discussing and i just thought like this one time when a music podcast took a weird turn and just ended up being like a 30 minute thing about dragon dildos um yeah i guess uh me and my bandmates all have this inside joke where there's this website called 
bad drive. I swear I don't like work for them. This isn't like a weird way to like plug them. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, there's this website where you can buy like mythical beasts, sex toys, like got it. Dragon themed dildos, and um, you can even get a dolphin one. There's like a a cockroach one, which is a weird niche. That is a very uh, weird niche. It's funny. Yeah. My, my, it can't be a top seller. Right? No, no. My, uh, <laughs> one of my girlfriend's family members put these like, and this is not like erotica. This is just kind of funny going from the cockroach thing. Put these little like life-size cockroach toy like things in her bags recently when we were in Florida for her to find later. And now it's been this whole pranking thing where we're like, we're all, we're, we're like both pranking our friends with these cockroaches, like putting them in gross places. But, um, all I could think about when you said dragon dildos was, I wanted to ask you, where are you dragging them? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Matt's, yeah. Matt's got jokes. Now. I got jokes. Okay. But no, that's so, cool. That that makes sense. Well, um, we I, I don't have any experience with um, mythical beast erotica, but that's enough for me to know. And but you do have a lot of experience with a lot of inside jokes as a band. Well, yeah, but but we don't really like the stuff we talk about. Is way 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 more inappropriate <laughs> than um, dragon dicks or like dragon. Oh, I mean, it, that's just the tip of the iceberg for us. It's like that's like our hazing thing. Like it's like we want we kind of. Can, we want to vibe new people sometimes, like on tour. Yeah. We want to make sure that we don't make any jokes that they might find uncomfortable or offensive. So, Dragon Dildos is to us pretty tame, pretty yeah, benign. Yeah, of course. Um, so, we usually like throw, like check out this funny website, ha ha ha. And if they like it, then it's like, all right, they're cool. Like we can we can hang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should you should. See, I've talked about this before, but you should see the and maybe Misha has shown you. I don't know, but. We have a um, we have a thread in our WhatsApp group between the band that probably has some of the most horrendous things possibly able to find on like the non dark web. You know, I'm sure on the dark web there's really bad shit, but it's pretty bad. Anyway, so yeah, bands seem to have these, or, or I should say, creative people like sick humor. Um, yeah, it's a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because and I think it stems from being bored on tour. You have to entertain yourself a lot um, with all the downtime. So if you can find funny little jokes and characters and sick scenarios to kind of uh, pass the time, yeah, 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 conjure up, then it's fun. Sure, I've done some thinking about this topic, and I think I think it's because creative people tend to be more emotionally attuned and sensitive. Um, this is a a generalization but i think a result a byproduct of being extra sensitive and emotional is i think more depression and more like just not feelings of like nihilism and i think one way to cope with those feelings is making really fucked up jokes and fucked up dark humor yeah. i think it's like a big mechanism and i think it's like relatable to the person so that's at least i think in our band why <laughs> like we all joke about it just a coping mechanism yeah so uh, well so to get serious for a second just to make a turn um have you personally or have people in your band actually dealt with depression or mental health issues stuff like that because that's actually a topic that we dig into quite a bit and then we encounter a lot with some of the guests that we've talked to just whether it's depression or they face a lot of anxiety in certain situations. There's a, there's, I mean, everybody I think goes to that stuff, but have you dealt with it 
Um, and has it affected you creatively in any sense? I think um, all of us like battle it regularly. For me, I fell into this whole career because of it. Like I dealt with it for the majority of my life and I got really ill and that's how I started playing guitar, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, I'd say I'm in a much better place these days, but I mean, yeah, I think all of us take that emotion and just channel it into our music. What, I mean, if you're comfortable with it, can you describe what ill means in, in your terms? Uh, like freaking sick. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess, I have to go into my background a little bit. So I started in classical music, um, and piano, I guess, or yeah, piano, piano okay. violin, orchestra. I used to be like a concert pianist growing up, and my parents were really strict on me, you know, Asian parents. And then um, I guess I did a lot of like competitions, and I played in two orchestras, and it was a lot of pressure for me. So um, I ended up getting kind of because of this perfectionism thing that was drilled into me and I um, developed an eating disorder a lot of people who've never dealt with an eating disorder it's not really about like looking nice or whatever it's more like a desire to have control over part of your life um, usually people who are perfectionists tend to have eating or like develop eating disorders easier because um, it's like a obsession with just keeping control of your surroundings and feeling like you have something for yourself. So I started turning to food and I like, I used to be like really, really um, kind of like overweight when I was growing up in elementary school, I was like 180 pounds and then I lost half of it in a year. And uh, what happens when you lose that much weight that quickly is um, your muscles atrophy and your heart is a muscle. So um, during that time when I was anorexic, my heart stopped working and I had to put be put in the hospital for on and off for like a couple years. I'd say like two two years on and off. Um, and I put on, I got put on a heart machine because mm -hmm. um, my heart wasn't strong enough to beat anymore. And during that time, like I used to hate classical music, and I hated music in general because to me I associated with like um, perfectionism and like using it to like beat other people. And I never understood why people would take something like an art form, like music, um, and use it to pit people against each other. Because for me, music was never about competition. But I think like um, feeling pressure from my parents to win all these competitions and um, pressure to perform perfectly took all the enjoyment out of it and also like made me really hate just doing any music in general. Cause I was doing it for other people, not myself. Mm -hmm. uh, were the others then, aware that you were dealing with, uh, such issues or, <clears throat> excuse me, or did you try to bottle it up and keep it to yourself and try to just put on a happy face and keep moving forward? Um, so, uh, I actually, <laughs> nobody knew cause I was really good at, at bottling it up because also my culture dictates that you're that mental illness is like a taboo right. and you're we don't really talk to each other about emotions or anything so at the time I was dealing with it alone and um yeah I I didn't they didn't realize I was that sick until one day at school they pulled me out um and they like I went straight from my class I was in middle school I went straight from my class to the hospital um and then I just stayed there and then my parents were like, whoa, what the heck is going on? And then, yeah, they realized that my health wasn't 
very good. And I was in like a really dark place mentally too. Um, yeah, I guess after, after being in the hospital for a while, um, I took up guitar cause it was something that I always wanted to try out because I listened to a lot of bands and stuff. It's funny. I used to like sneak out and go to shows cause mm. I wasn't allowed to go to shows cause, um, my parents thought it would interfere with my grades. And also like, um, we grew up with a really, really firm Christian background. So a lot of that kind of culture was taboo to them. Um, so I used to sneak out and go to rock shows and then, um, yeah, it meant a lot that I had a guitar and I could like play. And I think I discovered, I rediscovered my love for music when I was able to just do things for myself and um, pick up guitar and write music about how I felt, write lyrics. I used to write like emo, folk sounding things. Um, these days I'm mostly instrumental music, but I think I got my start just writing down my feelings and trying to like come up with things that sounded like those feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, did you, um, I was going to see if you kind of went towards a more progressive, uh, um, maybe a, uh, a more aggressive rather genre to try to channel maybe the emotions that you were, you were dealing with. But, um, so after you kind of came out of the hospital and you're dealing with the eating disorder, did you, when you picked up the guitar, what emotions were you then trying to express on your guitar? Um, whatever I've whatever I felt really. So it wasn't always bad. Like I'd say that I first wrote sad stuff, but then I also wrote like quite happy sounding things. Um, I think for me it was less about channeling out aggression and more about having something to control that like mine. And I'd say that I didn't have any self esteem back when um, I was anorexic just because I didn't even know how to think for myself because my whole life I did things for other people. And, um, everything was dictated by someone else and I never got to make a decision for myself. And guitar was like the first decision I made for myself. It's like the first step I made towards independence. And for me, it was about like reclaiming my identity. And, um, I got a lot of self-esteem from teaching myself things because mm. it was empowering for me. I was like, wow, like I did this like without even going to a teacher. Like <laughs> I like just learned from watching videos and like listening to other bands that I liked. And then, um, for me, it became like a source of confidence that wasn't from my external appearance. So I, the shift from my body, uh, I began to shift my, um, I guess, my focus from like my external appearance, my body, to like things that I can do with my hands, like drawing and playing guitar, all these things. I think it's like a really healthy shift for me because um, there's nothing unhealthy that comes from trying to get better at an instrument. Whereas if you constantly try to perfect your body and obsess about that, like you can go to a really unhealthy place and you're never happy. It's actually uh, really like a wonderful story to hear because I can, I can relate in the sense that I remember when I was 16, um, I was called in by the, I think this was like sophomore year, the sophomore dean, maybe I think we had a dean for each grade. And she just wanted to check in and she was like, is everything okay, Justin? And I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. What do you mean? And she was like, well, it seems like you've been losing weight at kind of like a oh. rapid pace, right? And and she was just asking to make sure everything was okay. And I was like, yeah, everything is totally fine. I, ne I don't think I ever got to the point where I looked like, okay, now this is becoming full-blown, full-blown, um, maybe some kind of eating disorder, maybe kind of anorexia or uh, bulimia or a binge eating disorder, something at the time. And this goes back now 15 years. But it was something that I struggled with because... 
I did, I developed a lot of unhealthy habits through, I think the normal anxiety of middle school years, as you were talking about, just, it wasn't because I'm more of a type B. So it's not, it wasn't perfectionism kind of thing, but I, I'm not even sure where it really came from, but I had put on weight and, and I think I had dropped about 30, 35 pounds or so at this point, but I was doing it with, without really any education. I was just watching what my mom would do for diet, weight watchers or, you know, whatever, just, just eating yeah. and trying to eat certain foods or, or dieting. It was mostly dieting, you know? Um, but really then it, it's interesting to hear that you, you channeled it through music because I can really relate that it was aggressive and heavier music than I would take to the gym and start to just kind of express myself that way. But, um, like the way that you're saying that it was, you know, in your hands that, that you could, um, maybe pivot your feelings towards something else. I, it took me, what seems way too long. It took me like a dozen years to finally find going back to school to study nutrition, to try to answer all these questions. And now I feel probably a lot of the, the way that you felt empowering yourself by learning new skills and seeking knowledge to kind of channel those same maybe feelings or thoughts into something that's really healthy and productive. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that story because that's incredible. Yeah, no worries. Like for me, learning a new skill is the most powerful thing I think like because it's like it's kind of like being a superhero and like acquiring new abilities um and what's comforting is like there's so many resources these days at your fingertips and there's really no excuse to not go out there and try to better yourself I know like you know things get in the way like depression for instance like um you know, even though music is a source of empowerment and encouragement and it makes me feel good, um, it's like a, an outlet for me. Sometimes, you know, I get in a rut and I still find it hard to pick up my instrument because it's like you kind of lose interest for it. Sometimes it's hard to force yourself. But, um, yeah, um, what's cool is I used to hate piano and violin. Um, but nowadays, I think because I rediscovered my love, um, rekindled my passion for music and playing guitar, I turn back to the other instruments and it's like I have so many outlets now I have like visual art I can play piano I can play violin I can play guitar it's like if I get bored or like kind of fed up with one I can go to the other <laughs> yeah that was going to be my question for you um Sorry. When, no no that's perfect when, when you do burn out on one I imagine that allows you to then channel um that energy for something else um but when did when did visual art become a, a part of what you're doing? Cause I mean, we checked out your site, like your website, um, your WordPress site, and there's a oh, lot God, of really cool stuff on there. Like it's so old. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's old, but I mean, um, when did you actually start drawing and when did you get good at it? Cause it's good. I mean, it's like the visual art is really good. Thank you. You know, my focus was actually visual art. Like I, I went to UCLA for fine arts and, um, visual performing arts education, um, got that double major because I thought I was going to basically just be an art teacher and I was going to work in school. And I started out doing that, but, um, music for me wasn't like, my end goal wasn't to be like in a band and tour and stuff. I never had that dream really. I thought I wanted to be like a painter or, um, an illustrator or maybe work for like animation or something. Um, but so I went to school for that and I didn't really 
like, I don't know, there's like a shift I could see. Like I was trying so hard to balance both and I was working at an art school and I was doing music on the side, but music kind of became more of a thing in my life, especially after I got my endorsements. Like I started realizing like, oh, shit's getting real. <laughs> like I might have to quit my job because <laughs> I started working like fewer and fewer days at the school and I'm down to, oh, I'm not really working there anymore, but I was down to one before my last tour. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, so visual art was always my primary focus, and I always had a passion for it growing up. I always wanted to be an artist. Um, did a lot of design stuff for like bands, and that was my way of becoming involved with the music industry, was doing t-shirt designs, flyers, like all kinds of stuff. And now it's like, I think music has become my primary thing, and arts, like, I paint guitars. Like, um, that's like the thing I do on the side to make money when um, I'm not touring and not releasing music so. that's cool so how do you balance um i guess how do you balance practice with work in that sense when you're not on tour uh, like how much of your day are you spending on like a commission to paint a guitar um versus actually writing or i mean do you do your own visual art for the band too um like do you do the merch yeah. do you design the album stuff like the you know album artwork and so forth what's the balance there and that's actually kind of a sort of like the, one of the questions that we got from um, our group. It was, where was it? Um, I guess, yeah, it was like a question about balancing everything. So, I mean, do you find it hard to balance stuff? Do you, are you strict with the schedule for yourself? Do you have a to-do list? Or are you kind of like, today I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'm going to do that? I'm not very organized. Uh, okay. I keep everything in my brain. I have a good memory for like things I have to do but I'd say that I'm very the way I work is kind of hedonistic like it's like whatever I want to do today I have a rule with myself like as long as I do something productive every day like something creatively productive be it work on a commission or write a riff um I'm fine with my day as long as I don't just sit there and do nothing because it's like a compromise that I have if I'm going to do this career and not have a strict schedule but one of the things that I told myself and feedback I've gotten is I need to have a little bit more structure, I think, because um, sometimes you feel kind of aimless and then it's not the most efficient way to go about things. But I struggle with structure because I think for me, structure is like a prison for me and I kind of like working more freeform just because I'm kind of like ADD with like <laughs> how I work. It's like I do 30 minutes of like piano improv and then I will go to my garage and paint a guitar and then I'll come back here and I'll like work on uh like playing around with my pedal board or something so I think it's like I work the best like scattered but I think I need more structure mm. um, at the end of the day if uh if you decided hey I need to write a riff I need to paint a guitar and you you didn't spend time painting a guitar uh, or make any progress let's say on painting a guitar and you were trying to write a riff but the riff that was maybe there just was escaping you are you then still okay and kind to yourself at the end of the night to say hey at least I was putting the effort forth versus saying like well you know being hard on yourself and saying hey I didn't actually get a riff written or I didn't paint a guitar today now this day is like invalid or I'm upset with myself um yeah I actually I find it trouble to go on I find it difficult to go <laughs> I can't talk I find it difficult to go on vacation sometimes because I just sit there and just like I can't enjoy anything because, <laughs> like, I'm not being productive. So that's one thing that I, I need to work on is being more in the moment, being more like, all right, this is enjoy, 
nature time. Like, I'm just going to sit here. Or, like, even in other people's company, like, sometimes I find it difficult. Like, they'll be talking to me in my head. I'm just like, I need to go home and write music. And right. I'm trying to, like, listen, but it's like my brain is just not focused. So, um, yeah, I, I think I am a little bit hard on myself, but also I kind of like it because it's, I feel like if I were to relax about that, that I would, I don't know, maybe one of my fears is becoming lazy or something and being like kind of, um, complacent. Mm-hmm. I think that's my fear. <laughs> so, um, with, with writing guitar riffs, I say that I actually work pretty well under pressure. Like one of the Covet songs, we're releasing a new album soon. And one of the songs on the album, we actually finished a day before going to the studio. Um, and it's because it was the baseline was, um, that's sorry, the, the foundation was laid down by my, by my bass player because um, he wanted to have a go at writing songs because usually I write everything, but he wanted to try. It. And so he like laid it down, but we only had like a day before recording. So it was like, oh shit, like I have to lay down my guitar parts. Um, over this thing and so I basically pulled an all-nighter and I, I wrote it and it ended up really cool so I think I, I work well under pressure for music because it forces me to just be hyper-focused um, but for other things like art I think also well actually with art I also work pretty well under pressure <laughs> time pressure um, I don't like having time pressure I don't like feeling like I have um, deadlines approaching but I think it's also one way I, I motivate myself. Is yeah, the, the, the whole procrastination monkey of course. when you're back. Yeah, and, and who knows if this comes from like a scholastic standpoint, like we're all in school and we're not really into the project that we're supposed to do. So then it's just like we procrastinate because we'll do all these other, especially as creatives or entrepreneurs yeah. with entrepreneurial spirits, like we'll do everything and avoid the thing that we actually have to do until it's time to actually do the thing. And then I think for creatives, we just kind of come to life when we're under the pressure. And that's, I think what gives us the spirit that we have not to say that that's maybe the best approach for everything of always to feel like you're behind you know, like the eight ball of like, oh no, it's due in eight hours. Shit, I got to write 10 pages or, oh, I need that lead riff to come to life now. If not, I'm going to have nothing when I show up to the studio tomorrow and I'm just wasting time. Yeah. But for me, it's like one thing that keeps me going is like, I think just constantly having a fire under my ass. And yeah, as you said, like I do work hedonistically, like I work on things that I like first. Um, and then maybe things that I'm not that jazzed about, I push to last minute. But that time pressure is cool because I don't let failure be an option. Like, I, I can't give my client nothing by the time that I promised. Or, you know, if I need to write a riff for my band, I don't want to, like, let other people down by not having something. So I think one, one way that I keep grounded also is just working as a team because other people expect things from you at a certain time. And it's important to not let them down. Yeah, so. definitely. Are you, it seems like alone time is really important to you. Um, yeah, I'm super introvert. <laughs> and I mean, that, that for what you do as a creative that has many different outlets, you probably need that, that quiet to focus. Um, but did you, like, are you an only child? Did you spend a lot of time alone growing up to, to like get good at that? Or was that something that you found that you like 
needed to find for yourself. If that makes sense. Like I was in an, I'm not an only child. Justin's not an only child. I've always had tons of friends around. Alone time was scary for me. Yeah, we're we're very point, much extroverts yeah, over here. Yeah, um, we love like I love the energy of having Matthew next to me right now. Right. So I'm just and, and I'm genuinely curious about what it's like to be more introverted and be really more into entertaining yourself and being productive by yourself. What, you know, what that's like for you and what that, what role that plays. I think for me, I was an only child. I am an only child. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm an only child and I don't, my relationship with my family is a bit weird. Like I don't really talk to anyone in my family. Either. <laughs> um, I live at home still. Like this is my parents' house. It's hard to pay rent when you're on tour always. I'm sure. sure you guys and that. Um, but yeah, I, I live with my parents, so I don't really speak to that much. Um, I don't have much of a social life. Like my best friends are my bandmates just because I see them a lot. Um, but I think for me, that's enough. Like I turn to, you asked like creative stuff. Like, is that something that I, I needed to find for myself or was it something that I, I always wanted? Is that what you were asking? Well, more so just like, uh, I mean, you kind of answered my question, but more so alone time to me, um, seems can be scary sometimes, you know, because I've always had other people around. I've always been more extroverted naturally. Um, so I'm always fascinated with people who are like self starters who are extremely independent and can motivate themselves to do tons of creative things, you know, by themselves who don't necessarily need to be around a ton of people. Um, you know, like, so I'm just, I guess I'm just really curious about the, the big picture introvert kind of mentality, you know? Um, for me, I always turn, I, I'm, I like independence. I've always kind of been like an independent person. I don't really ask for help. I don't, um, really tell people how I'm feeling, uh, kind of deal with things on my own. Um, I think the reason I turn to music and art is, is, is a form of escapism. Like I, when I'm working on a painting or a drawing, like every single mark is like, I'm focused on that. I don't think about anything else. So it's like, it transports me somewhere else. And I feel like it's like the only time where I'm at peace in my head because I'm only working on this one task, which is like, I do a lot of very detailed stuff. So I think that hyper detailed um, thing that I do is, is a form of like just trying to be as focused as possible. And yeah, sometimes I'll lose track of time, like five or six hours will go by. I'm just like, oh, I didn't even realize I didn't eat or I didn't realize that it's now it's dark outside. Um, music too, like when I'm writing a riff and stuff or I'm playing music, I lose track of time. And it, I, when I'm on stage, especially, I get transported to somewhere else. I find that that's like essential for me because I'm such an introvert. If I think about how many people are in the audience, if I think about where I am, if I think about like I have to be perfect and put on the best show, then I'll, I'll freak out and I'll inevitably not do my best and mess up or something because I'm too much in my head. So when I'm on stage, I like to escape and go somewhere else and then I don't think about the pressure and I just feel the music mm-hmm. and how it I guess it how it makes me feel um it's important to really for me to be really into what I'm playing so like if I don't like a song I can't get into it I cut it from the set um yeah there's something else I was gonna say it was about um oh uh being in a band that has taught me massively how to work with other people because I think it's not something that came naturally to me because I'm so independent, I'm so used to just like doing everything myself. I, for the longest time, I didn't trust delegating tasks to other people. So I would just be like, no, don't worry about it. I'll do it. 
But I was I was like the best person to be in a group project with because I'd be like, all right, you nerds, like I'm gonna do everything myself. So I just like lay low. This is my grade, so I'll do everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I think a lot yeah. of us deal with that. It's like, you know, I would say it's like, yeah, if you could just clone yourself 10 times over, you know that, especially if you feel more of like a leader, if you're, if you feel more of like the chief than the Indian, oftentimes you can kind of say to yourself like, whoa, I wish that I could just be in a group with myself, but have like four of me. And I could just say like, okay, you do this and you do that. Do you think if that were a possibility to clone yourself that you would learn to play bass really well and you would learn to play drums really well and just be in a band with yourself? Okay. So what's funny, it's funny to say that because I literally said that exact thing. I was like, I wish I could clone myself, but it wasn't in regards to my bandmates because I actually really love that what my bandmates bring to the table because Forrest comes from a really unique background. Like he comes from more jazz, more like, um, like he listens to a lot of fusion stuff, which I'm not really into. Um, he has like hip hop talk. Yeah. As a drummer, I think he brings something to the table that I could never imagine with my background and my brain and I think that is what makes the final product much more unique because it's not just this homogenous uh, homogenous homogenous style um it's like a collaboration between different minds um my bass player too he likes jazz stuff and he likes kind of um he listens to a lot of music that I wouldn't not like naturally listen to but he's kind of turned me on to it so i think he also brings something different to the table and all of us working together i think the product would be much more unique than if um it was just me cloning myself twice um that being said though it is important to have a leader in the band because if there isn't then like nothing really gets done i think and also, there can be too many cooks sometimes. And if everyone has con- clashing thoughts, like that can be really problematic. And that's the reason why we've had to change lineup a few times, just because, um, yeah, too many cooks, too many ideas. And then the focus gets diluted to a point where there is none anymore. Um, yeah, so going back to the whole cloning myself thing, I said that because um, sometimes I, I have, like, skills. I, I know how to, like, edit video and do, like, play through stuff but sometimes I have to work with other people because I can't like be the one running the camera and be the one playing and be the one like I can edit it I guess but yeah I was just saying like like I know exactly how I want it like visually I know how I want it I wish I could translate that with words but sometimes there's things that you just simply can't translate with words and you have to speak yourself um which is also why I like doing the visual art for my band um in my solo projects because I don't have to translate my ideas to someone else and have some integrity get lost in mm. translation. Like, I can just be the one to do it. I don't have to talk to anyone. I know what I want in my head. So I can just do it. <laughs> I can execute it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you find, and I don't want to call this like, because I want to go back to the point of you saying that you you kind of go, you check in maybe with yourself internally when you are performing um, do you find, uh, and I don't want to say you check out, you know, of like, you're not conscious when you're on stage, you know, cause I'm sure you're, you're hyper aware of what's going on, you know, what's going on, but, but you're checking in with yourself so that you don't get overwhelmed by maybe the anxiety of, of, of being an introvert. Who's now, who's now performing in front of so many people on stage. Um, my two questions to that are, are one, do you, do you find, uh, maybe confidence or, um, maybe a sense of calm or, or something of that nature with having bandmates on stage versus maybe going like the looping route where you could just be doing everything by yourself on stage. And two, 
in, in being conscious on stage, um, but check in more with yourself instead of being there for the show, you know, for like everything else externally that's going on. Does that make the process of playing the show go really fast? Um, yeah, I, I do both. Like I have stuff where I do like my solo stuff. I, I play acoustic guitar and I sing by myself and it's nerve wracking. I say I get infinitely more nervous doing that than like doing covet covet stuff. Like when I'm on stage, I'm not really nervous about our performance because I know we got it from practice. I'm more nervous about external things that we can't control such as sound or um, sometimes like we run into sound people who kind of um, aren't very attentive. So they you know, will have horrible sound even though we played great. Like on stage, it's just when you hear yourself and it sounds like shit, you just lose all of your confidence. You're like, yeah. I don't care that I say this perfectly. It sounds like farts. Like who wants to this? <laughs> or it's so chubbly it like must hurt people. I'm surprised what people aren't bleeding like in the front from how like harsh it sounds. So a lot of that stuff could be resolved once we're at a level where we can take our own sound person. Um, also, I have an EQ pedal now on stage where I can just, if the sound person isn't really doing a great job, I can take control back into my hands and kind of regulate that. Um, but yeah, so I think um, when I'm playing with a band, more of the anxiety is about putting on like the perfect show and making sure that the sound's good and it's exactly the way that I I want it. Um, I'm trying to figure out phrasing for this. I think for me... Um, the pleasure in creating is it comes from I guess trying to get a product trying to convey something the way that I imagine it in my head like the ideal version of it so for me I really like recording because it's like like a lot of people hate that because it's like oh, like I have to play a million times really but for me I love that because at the end like you get to hear the ideal version of the thing that exists in your head and it's like because most of the songs like I write all the structures and I come up with like the vibe of a vibe and I I'd say I do most of the layering stuff too like all the pads and everything um it's really satisfying getting the final product and having it be like exactly what you hear in your head um so for me performance is kind of scary because you don't get the ideal version um it's rarely <laughs> it's rarely what you want like perfectly there's always something that goes wrong um another thing i've learned in in touring and playing as a band is to let go of that like kind of micromanagement thing and to just be okay with maybe a happy accident that happens or maybe a less ideal show because at the end of the day people still have a good time um yeah yeah. also having bandmates on stage is awesome because i'm an introvert i don't really like talking i feel like I have this irrational fear that when I go to the mic, I'm just going to say something so dumb or like maybe something like really inappropriate that just ends my career. <laughs> like <laughs> I'd rather have my bass player date. He's like more of an extrovert than I am. Um, so I think he's better at talking and then I can just focus on maybe like tuning or like messing around with my pedals. And it's kind of nice to just split up duties based off of strengths. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I would imagine, I mean, being on stage by yourself and having everything, like, all eyes on you and and being an introvert at the same time, it's like the catch-22 of it all. Like, you're, it's probably yeah. good to be by yourself, but it's also the worst thing to be by yourself, you know? 
it's a good skill that I've learned because um, I think a lot of it comes from lack of confidence. Like when I used to play acoustic shows, I used to just freak out and just say, like have no fluidity to how I talked and it was awkward and forced. And I think over time, just touring by myself for a while, I've developed um, more charisma on stage and I, I've developed more confidence too in speaking because now I'm like, okay, I can work a crowd. I'm not like, <laughs> people aren't sitting here judging me. They are here because they genuinely want to see me play. So I shouldn't act like everyone's here judging me. Um, so I think I've become way more confident at the time. And I've actually, I've incorporated self-deprecation into the part of my humor for my solo <laughs> set. So I'll sit there and just like roast myself and then yeah. people will laugh. And that's like, I play off of that now. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing that too. That's always good. Uh, Justin heard me on a on a business call recently where I spent the whole time like any anywhere I could find a little pocket to like make a bad joke and and self deprecate at the same time was <laughs> made it better. Um, yeah, it's good. It. Yeah, it keeps you humble, <clears throat> you know, and it makes yeah. you know egoless. And I wish Jordan was here, my brother, the third man who's not with us um, for the podcast. He's in a band. It's a trio. And he has a singer that reminds me very much of um, Robert Smith from The Cure, right? Yeah. Oh. Right? Right. So, like, like introverted, kind of, like, quiet, like, a lot of idiosyncrasies, quirky. And then he has this bass player. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. His bass player is very just, like, shy and bashful. And, whatever. and, and my brother is more like us, the extrovert. So, my brother is the drummer. will be the one. He has, I don't think he takes a microphone, but he just yells. You know, so everybody can kind of hear. He just, you know, projects. Yeah. And, and I really, really, though, appreciate the dynamic between the three of them. Because it's, like, three almost, like, opposing, you know, just very different... Um, personalities but but it's like the bass player he's all bashful and shy you like want to root for him and i think it's almost kind of cool that his that the singer is like the mysterious guy who i always say like after the song should just turn around you know and just have his back but i i kind of like when there is like as you're saying you maybe your your bass player would have one type of rhetoric and he would speak and he's extroverted and he's telling his thing and then try to like incorporate you in this like awkward banter of like hey you know i got questions you know we want you to and whatever comes out like you said the crowd's there to support you you know it's all okay yeah it's like i think that interaction on stage is really funny you can really sense our dynamic because sometimes when we're playing another reason i like having david in particular and forrest actually on stage is um, Forrest is constantly smiling when he performs. Like he just looks like he's having a good time. Yeah. One of the problems with the last guy um, was I felt like he looked miserable on stage, and it was kind of contagious because I turn around and see him looking miserable and be like, "Okay, I don't want to be here either." Then, like, right? <laughs> like, no, when someone's happy and having a good time on stage, it's like it's the best. Yeah, that's like infectious in life, though. You're like walking down the street, and everyone's got their head down, and like their eyes are gazing, you know, two feet in front of them, and like you try to look at them and just smile and like get a response and they like avert their eyes and go away. But if you look up and someone's like smiling at you and they're like, Hey, you know, they say, hi, how's it going? Something so simple. It like, I don't know. It gives me energy. And I think for most people it perks people up and it's, and it's unexpected. And people want to see you having a good time on stage. Like nobody wants to see people at a show playing a show and like they don't even look like they're having a good time or want to be there so it's important it's part of performance like you, even if you don't feel it you have to kind of like put on your smile and be up there and make sure that maybe the sound is awful but don't show it <laughs> like don't yeah. show it on your face Fake it or, 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 or find something one thing that you can connect with that makes you genuinely stoked so that it yeah. does shine through um, David, um, good because when 
my, my bass player is awesome. His name is David. Um, he, when stuff goes wrong on stage, like he's my source of sanity. Cause sometimes we'll both hear something and we'll just like look each other on stage and we'll just laugh. And like, if it was by myself, I would be like maybe pissed off or like I'd feel anxious, but because he's there dealing with the same like technical issue, like we can kind of have each other and, and like play off each other and just laugh it off. Like there's one show I remember where we had like the entire show is just feedback. It was at like a DIY art space and mm. this sound isn't very good. And he just, there's just, just constant like, like going through the entire set. And we were just on stage, like defeat. We asked the sound person to do something about it. And he was just like, like, I don't know, like, yeah. like <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm on my phone, like on Instagram. I don't want to do my job right now. So like, yeah, that sucks. And, and yeah, at that point too it's like you might as well just like address it with the audience like guys we can hear it too like we know that this is ridiculous go go yell at the sound guy <laughs> like what yeah like what yeah. else do you do yeah it's like i think we just laugh it off like even yeah. when we hear like a horrible mess up either from either of us we'll just give you to their look but it won't be like you fucked up like it'll be like a haha i heard yeah, that like, gotcha <laughs> Gotcha. Heard that. <laughs> and we know nine times out of ten as musicians, like the only people that actually heard it was us. Right. Well, no, no one yeah. else heard and that, it. And so that that brings up what I wanted to what I wanted to mention now, which is being so creative. I would imagine you're also your own worst critic. Um, oh yeah. So to that of to that end, when is something finished, or or are you ever really pleased with the outcome, or are you always? hating on like your stuff you know what i mean like you're on your own work so 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 to speak um i think something is finished when it accomplishes what you intended it to do and um to me i think one step in maturation in my own artistic process is realizing that sometimes i overdo it and i over embellish and I, I go too far i've been really fascinated with minimalism recently because the point of minimalism is to capture the essence of something with the fewest the littlest information as possible um i think sometimes things can be too minimalist um but for me it's like i've been trying to find a balance between oversaturating something and also not giving enough information um, I was listening, an example of this would be when I went to the studio and I, I recently recorded a piano album with like violin and cello and um, I wrote like all the parts and I like orchestrated everything um, and I had this, um, I tracked my own violin so I like, and I did it, I didn't write anything in advance, I just literally just listened to stuff on the spot and I like played what I heard over it and then um, I kind of just let it be. And with the cello player, I programmed stuff in MIDI and then I had him play what I programmed essentially. Um, so I went back and I listened to it and I was like, holy shit, there is too much going on here. And it's like oversaturated to a point where there's no contrast. And a lot of the parts, the suspense, the tension, the dynamics, they lose their impact because it just like other stuff detracts from it. So I think, um, and then I just, uh, deleted a bunch of it even though i put in the time and i worked on it like i just literally just removed entire sections <laughs> and i thought and, and the overall product was so much better because it breathed um and i think for me that's a step in maturity because i think when i first um come out and i want to like 
impress people or whatever and want to make something, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, like, put, like, it's going to be huge. It's going to be, like, it's going to be, like, strings. It's going to be, like, this busy sweep section. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes, like, you can over-embellish it and it loses its impact. So I'm realizing that one of my flaws as an artist and one thing that I really need to work on is restraint and also um, knowing when something is actually taking more, taking away from something more than it's contributing to it. Mm-hmm. And you have to just um, abandon it and not be married to it. Um, one of the mottos that I have for my band and everything is like, I don't care what it is, as long as it serves the music, it's fine. If it doesn't serve the music, it has no place there. I don't want it. So yeah, I think um, something is finished when it accomplishes what you intended it to do and it, and there's nothing on it that detracts from it and then it's like the perfect amount of information and even that is like somewhat nebulous um it's up for you to decide but i think spending right. time with a piece of music or a piece of art just um stepping away from it letting it marinate kind of and coming back to it um that's a good way to see if you're at that point because <laughs> you can also get fatigued listening and seeing the same thing over and over again for a long time. So, so taking time away from it and then coming back to it is a good way <laughs> to find out if you've done too much or if it needs something even. Right. I think that is one of like the main conflicts for the creative because the reality is, is that anything you're working on, whether it's, it's, you know, an, an art piece or it's, music or it's or it's studying a subject i mean really it's like it could be endless and we know that we could always say well wait i need to tinker this a bit more or it could be more you know minimalist or it could be um busier because i want uh the the ear candy experience to be you know i want that little whatever in like the upper right corner of the of the headphone of the person who's listening to whatever it may be um but I think that is, as you're saying, a, a sign of like maturation to be able to uh, almost be okay with knowing that like nothing's ever perfect. You're never going to really hit this like threshold of 100 on anything because perfection is like this intangible. We know that. And, and obviously it's highly subjective, but I think coming from the creative or the entrepreneur world, which a lot of the listeners of the community are, um, I think it's trying to find that 90% threshold where it's like, hey, look, I've I've exhausted all of these different channels to try to get the project I'm currently working on to the best of its ability. And now I just need to be okay with like setting it free and moving on to something else. Because as, as you also alluded to, it is easy to fatigue and to, to relate it to the music standpoint, our, our ears can start to fatigue, you know, and then we need a, a fresh set of ears. I think it is really nice to work on said project for a really fair duration of time and whatever that is, you would have to deem what that is. Right. Yeah. And from there, then just be like, you know what? Cool. Done. Whatever. Moving on. Cause we know that I think as perfectionists or, or trying to make something uh, supposedly perfect, we're at least going to have the competitive advantage versus someone who's going to just kind of like, you know, not go for perfection or not go for this, this great achievement. And, and maybe it only gets to 50, 60%. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, in the past, like, I'd be married to concepts or ideas, and I'd be like, we have to have this, like, no matter what. And then I'd hear it later, I'd be like, why Why was I so, like, obsessed with that? Like, that's actually, it didn't really add much, and, like, I wasted time doing it, or, like, ugh, I wish that wasn't there <laughs> on the recording, because it actually takes away. So I think, like, it's important to approach everything really stoically, and 
have, make sure that whatever you do, like, even if you want, like, a, a shreddy section, have it be, like, tasteful and have it, like, essentially what the music is trying to accomplish, or what you are trying to accomplish with music. Um, yeah, because sometimes, like, maybe you really want to show off and you really want to play something technical, but then you listen to it and it's like, well, it doesn't even have impact because the rest of it is so, like, busy already. Right. If you had just, like, like had more restraint and then have, like, one little section with it, it would actually be way more impactful. So these are all lessons that I've, I'm learning now going to a studio and like over time listening to everything I've done. I'm just like, wow, like that could be improved if I actually just did less or if I'd spent more time with it. Um, yeah. I think Matt and I can, can probably really relate because I, I think both of us and I think all three of us probably have this idea of whatever it is you're working on, whatever skill that is, it's nice to have this whole arsenal. And I always think of it as like if you're wearing a trench coat and you were to just like open up and you have this whole... Yeah. You know, if you were like a superhero and you had all of these like, you know, tools in, in your bag, these tricks that you could use. And and it's great, but I think it is almost uh, the ultimate side of maturation, especially in a project like playing music, is to know when to pull out that one trick that's super impactful. That one, you yeah. take your one moment versus... Um, you know, as I think it's, I, I think it was either Alice Cooper, one of his guitar players, said this the other day. Like, you know, there are four guitar players in his band, or three guitar players, and like, if you would give them the option, they would all take center stage and just solo the whole entire time, right? <laughs> you know, and I yeah. think it's it's easy to want to to kind of just, hey, let me show you every trick in my bag. But I think it's it's so cool when people mature to a state where they practice like respect and restraint almost like a martial artist sense of like yeah i could totally fuck you up right now but i'm just going to like you know pin you down in this fight uh and and not um you know unload my whole arsenal on you i think it is cool that for me like my favorite records i'll think of like there's like a nine inch nail song that i absolutely love and um the coolest part of it from the guitar standpoint is just uh like a, a palm muted chica kind of deal that goes like left ear and then right ear. It's like, did it, did it. And I'm like, that said everything I wanted to say. That was way cooler than like a sweeping, crazy guitar solo or every yeah. stance could right. have had, you know, an over the top moment. But to me, it was so impactful to have that one thing. And it served the song and it served the project. Yeah. It's, it's funny you call it arsenal because I call it like a toolkit, like an artist or musician's toolkit. It's cool to have technique because it's like you want to have the biggest toolkit possible so you have as many textures and colors to draw from to paint your picture, your sonic picture or whatever. Like, but I think like, it's funny, I made recently a, um, it's like a, a fighting game where it's like maybe... Like, your style is to button bash and stuff and just, like, pull out every trick and, like, not have any intentionality behind it. But, like, whatever you're doing is, like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're kind of just, like, firing, like, random things left and right to make sure something sticks. But I think, like, I have much more respect for people who, like, have intentionality behind what they do. And they show restraint and, like, they pull out, like, a move that's really impressive just because, like, it's what serves like the overall goal the mm. most. Um, I have a lot of respect for composers. Like I've been listening to a lot of um, piano soundtrack stuff like Olafur Arnold's or um, Ryuichi Sakamoto, like that kind of movie soundtrack stuff because like their stuff is pretty, like there's not much movement going on, but it paints like such a beautiful picture and it sets such a great mood. Um, 
And I think a lot of that comes from just like restraint and having spacious moments where there's nothing going on. And then contrasted with like a beautiful cello swell, I think that's how they accomplish like what they're setting out to do. And of course, stylistically, it's a lot different from like guitar oriented, like prog shed stuff. But I have a lot of respect for it because sometimes like a space is just as powerful as a note. Yeah. <laughs> well, it ta- I think it takes an emotional um, maturity as we're talking about to understand that, especially with like more cinematic music, because your goal is to affect someone uh, who's listening to it and, and make them really feel something quite deliberate, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas I think the music that that we have all played, at least in our in our current projects, you know, um, is probably a little bit more um, up to each person to determine how it makes them feel. Whereas something as deliberate as a movie soundtrack, it's very deliberate. Like you, you know, you want them to feel something. So that takes a big understanding. But and you remove yourself from the project because you're not right. really writing subjectively what you want. You're writing, trying to objectively write for the project. Well, if like if the note right. says, you know, we need to convey tension here, of course, you can't just say, cool, I want to play, you know, these like major fun chords that like create zero tension. Yeah. So I think that's also like the uh, maybe the bigger picture or the bigger point is just knowing uh knowing the intention that you're trying to create. And I think, you know, I think you alluded to that nicely in saying that the, your project is happy when you feel like you've kind of, uh, you know, made the point that you want to make. Yeah. Right. And, and obviously for like a movie soundtrack or, or a TV soundtrack or something, it's, it's different from the personal projects we get to work on, mm-hmm. but it's all, it's okay. all still, the restraint is still there and like respect for the project and the, the, that moment is still there. I think the key to that related. though is, is understanding how you would, uh, actually, it's funny. I, I mean, this is a anybody can chime in, but um, talking about like writing music for a movie, it's like I would imagine the people that are writing that music are writing the parts based on how it makes them feel. What would make sure. them feel scared? What would make them feel uh, happy, Tense. excited? Yeah. What's going to build the tension? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would imagine. I and those know. with the best arsenal, as we've said before, the best toolkit or the toolbox, whatever yeah. somebody wants to call it, right? I've heard it called a bunch of things. They're the ones that can, that can. I'm sure they have an easier time conveying maybe not just one idea of what that uh, emotion sounds like sonically, you know, but you can do that uh, multiple different ways. And then you can give the person who's making like the ultimate decision as many options as possible. But I think for the to relate this to the group, anything that, uh, any endeavor that you, you take on, I think it is really cool to try to have the best, um, vocabulary of Mm -hmm. whatever that skill is. And I think we talked about this with, um, JP, when JP Bouvet was on here, if you know who he is, he's a drummer. Um, he's great. And he talked about just, just having, you know, as, as music as the language and having a really good vocabulary, because then you can, you can actually convey, what you want to say and it doesn't it doesn't have to be obviously in speaking a language like this it can be through music or art or something else and then you can be concise and not like i don't know i think have intention behind what you say and not just say a bunch of things that don't really have any meaning or impact yeah um, you, don't, you don't always have to use big words it's more important than just driving home sim- like simply than it is to use big words to get a point across or more words than necessary yeah like you know sequential non-tangential 
Yeah, I think I'm really, I've been really fascinated behind intentionality and um, having control over what you're trying to say. Like, sometimes I feel like, I even still feel like this. I feel like I don't really know how I got to the end point. I just got to it somehow. But I want to understand how I got there and I want to understand how I can better um, own my own process so it doesn't feel like a happy an accident. Like, I feel like everything I do still kind of feels like an accident. Sometimes I'm like, well, like, here's this riff. I don't really know how it happened. <laughs> People ask, like, how did you get there? I'm like, I don't know. I just, like, heard it and I, I played it. But I don't know exactly, like, how I got from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it just... I guess materialized without me really realizing. So I'm I'm really fascinated with intentionality and like people who work with purpose behind every everything they do. Um, yeah, I just want to better understand my own process so that I can um, teach it to other people. Or even I think the more you understand something, the more you can repeat it. So yeah. I think writing these sometimes feels scary because I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can do it again, <laughs> but. I, I always end up doing it again. I just want to understand how <laughs> more. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, so you mentioned teaching in a school v- with visual art. Um, is, is teaching music important to you too? Is that something that you either do or want to get more involved with as the career expands? Um, I used to do like Skype lessons and stuff, but I found them to be a little bit difficult because I can't, there's always late latency and like, like tech issues. And then sure. sometimes, um, I feel frustrated because I see them doing something wrong and I can't like reach through the screen and fix their hand. And like, yeah, also I, f- I find that on Skype, like sometimes people don't practice as much because I think they have more accountability when they're, they show up at your house and they have to like show you in person. So yeah. people who come to my house and do stuff tend to practice more. Just an overall trend I observe, but I ended up not really doing Skype lessons anymore because it was like frustrating. Sometimes I'll have people come over to my house, but also that's a little dangerous because they come over to my house right. and maybe they're a psycho who will murder me overnight. Let's hope not. Well, okay. Perfect time to bring up this topic, which we briefly touched on earlier before we started recording, but there was a question in the group um, and to, to kind of summarize it, it's what is some advice that you could give to other young women who are trying to make it in a mostly male dominated, uh, sort of business. And obviously, um, in that scenario, hopefully you, you stay safe and don't have some random person come over to your house. Who's dangerous. That's or show up yeah. but, but, but then again, I don't even think that's a guy girl thing. I don't, Part of the reason why I don't even do lessons at my house is because I don't want someone coming over to my house that I don't know either. I don't want to be put in that situation. I don't even think that's a that's not a male female thing. Um, that's just like being smart and <laughs> having personal safety, you know. Man, I've done so many Craigslist deals, especially like like I mean eBay, eBay was a thing for sure, but like I was all into the search for the perfect tone as a bass player. And that's like a game of millimeters, not even inches, right? Now, and I'm sure that's like for any musician. Man, I would be like driving four hours and like I have stories of showing up to someone's like like, oh yeah, drive your car down this like back road over here in the middle of like nowhere to this shed. And I don't know, I, my response is always like, oh, they were like the sweetest person. It was the best. I never had a bad experience. Uh, Some uh, strange ones, of course. You just never know. Of course, you never know, though. But I guess knock on the table, I was always lucky. 
I, I'm always really difficult. I, sometimes people want to pick up on social cues too. Like sometimes I'll be like, all right, lesson's over. Like, bye. Right. <laughs> but they'll linger around and then like, it's hard to cut them off. And I'll have people here for like two, three hours when they were supposed to be here just for an hour. Right. And I'm just really bad at being like, leave. <laughs> like, Setting those boundaries. I want, yeah. Boundaries. That's something I'm, I've had to learn. Uh, going back to your question. Um, yeah, I think I think um, having boundaries is really important for for female musicians because sometimes if you don't set them, I've learned the hard way. Um, people feel like it's appropriate to there's no boundaries, so they don't even know like what's comfortable for you, and they'll like go past that um, any chance they get. Um, I think what makes it frustrating is sometimes you try to keep it professional as a girl, and some people like either don't pick up on that and some guys maybe like try to push the boundary a little bit to see how far they can push it. Um, and I think it's up to you to be um, up to the girl to be like firm about what she's comfortable with. But also I think it's important for guys to not just assume and like, I don't know, just to be respectful and to always like, um, ask what a girl is comfortable doing not not even in just like the industry but like I think with everything um I've encountered situations where I thought I thought you know I'm ready to be professional and, and to work but then like the other person um suddenly reveals that he has like an, a weird alter ulterior motive or like a hidden agenda that isn't related to like music at all and it's a little bit disheartening because it's like okay, like, are you working with me because you respect my craft or are you working with me because you thought maybe something would happen? Right. Um, That's got to be frustrating. Yeah. And it's frustrating because also in that process, um, of course, I always want to be cool. And if someone pulls that, I always want to be like, okay, well, it's fine. I get it. There was a moment, there was a lapse in your judgment or maybe you wanted something to happen. Maybe I don't want that to happen. I'm fine being friends or I'm fine like just continue being professional, but sometimes, you know, they make it weird. And now it's like, I have this burned bridge that I didn't even want in the first place. Like it sucks. Cause you end up having to like blacklist people, even though maybe it could have been like a really cool professional relationship. But then now it's like, Oh, great. <laughs> That's going to be weird. <laughs> Yeah. So, and to be fair and like PC about it, just to like throw it out there, like it goes, of course it goes both ways. Obviously there's like oh, the yeah. strong double standard and we know this and, or it goes four ways, you know, whether it's like you're in a band with all dudes and like you go for the guy or something, or you're in a band with, with yeah. women and you know, whatever, right. Just to be fair to everyone, just fair. But like, you know, uh, setting those boundaries is, is super important. And, and, you know, I, I think we can all, uh, you know, sympathize with like, I don't think it, it's not, it, not even just that, like, uh, it, I'm thinking now it's like, you've like had to like waste your time and energy, you know, and like show your art to someone else who's now they've got ulterior motives and they should have been open and honest in the first place that like, Hey, I wasted my time trying to like vet you. And this is what your actual intentions were. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like my, um, not only is this like unprofessional and like shitty of you as a person, but like you're wasting my professional time and I've got shit to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. It definitely goes both, both ways. I've heard it happen 
to both. I think like in an ideal situation, like times where it's happened that I think like the outcome is, isn't that bad is when maybe I'm working with someone and then they like, um, are, they, they like test the water a little bit and then maybe I don't give the green light, then they resume working professionally and it's, it's fine. It's not like I'm going to run at the first sign of anything. It's just like, um, if, if they can still be professional and work, then like, that's great. The, the times where I've had a problem with it is when they get weird or they get vindictive or something. And then they like try to, I don't know, sometimes people abuse their power and they dangle something in front of you to try to get something out of you. And then when you don't take the bait, they like try to like burn. I, they try to like, I don't know how to put into words, but they like, yeah, vindictive and they yeah. try to like yeah. shut down opportunities for you. And I think that's like a lot of my female friends have encountered that too. When it's like, um, yeah, I think you see that happening in Hollywood, even <laughs> like, people right. like, are, like, yeah, they think, like this is going to be the thing that makes or breaks your career. Like, if I had any advice for girls, I'd be like, don't ever fucking play into that. Like, nobody can take anything away from you. You're in charge of your own career. And if someone tries to say that you need to do this thing to advance your career, then they're a piece of shit. Agreed. Perfect. Well, yeah. and so, and what, if there was one piece of advice you could give the, the members of the community that, that we're in, guys specifically, like, you know, you're in a situation where you're meeting a lot of fans, you're meeting a lot of other band members, you're meeting people, and it, it is a male-dominated industry for the most part. Um, if you had a chance to, to say anything to them just so that there was more respect, for lack of a better word, is there anything that you would tell them that would help them, not only in an encounter with you, but maybe even in general, like in encountering other females? And bef before, before I... Shut up. I just want to say too, it's like, I think a lot of people that are in this world are introverted guys and girls. And a lot of people that I know who are introverted didn't really ever have the most amount of experience in dating or in meeting other people or in having those social um, interactions, at least not in abundance. So in a world where like, uh, seeing a girl guitar player is really rare and, um, someone who sees that might be attracted to, to, to that person. And they might have this inclination to want to get past the professional point and say something else. I mean, what do you, I guess, hopefully you pick up on what I'm saying. I think there's that scenario could occur often in our yeah. community. So what I guess is the advice that you would give in that scenario aside from like, don't be creepy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cause some people, cause some people don't know what creepy is, I guess. Right. I think, you know what, like, it's not even about gender, like, just seeing someone that you admire, like, I think, just treat them like a person, treat them like a friend that you would want to hang out with, you know, yeah. I see people, like, you know, meeting even guys in bands, like, they don't treat them like humans, <laughs> they just, like, like, scream or something, and I understand that you get starstruck, but also, like, at the end of the day, they're just a dude, you're, yeah. the, you're too, like, we're all just dudes, like, yeah. even girls. You guys are dudes, are dudes, yeah. Like, I've had the most dude. <laughs> I've had the most ridiculous shit shouted at me, and like we all have, you know, in in our band, our fans say absolutely inappropriate, ridiculous things to us all the time. Um, yeah, dude, we like, all put pants here too, on. Like, I, I want, like, I hear people scream at your sets, like they're like, like 
um, oh, I want to like have your babies or like I like jacked off to your song or whatever. Like it's like weird. Right. Yeah. People say that to you. People say it to all I of us. Off I mean, <laughs> we were we were in um we were in Vancouver or not Vancouver. I'm sorry. We were in London, Ontario uh, on this last tour, and somebody was like. Somebody said to Spencer that they wanted a guy, like a group of guys actually said to Spencer that they wanted to blow him so he could show them th- his secret. <laughs> Whatever that secret? means. Right. I don't know. But, but the point is, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. But it, it, it kind of puts you in a spot where you feel like you're being targeted. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess uh, I, you answered the question really well, which is. At the end of the day, treat someone like, like you would want to be treated. Look at them yeah. as a person, whether it's a guy or a girl. Um, but I think another thing too is like think before you speak. Like think what this is going, what you're about to say or do, how it's going to affect that other person. Like could what I say affect them negatively? And is it necessary for me to say this or is it just something I want to do? If you yeah. can come up with the answers to, to those kind of questions internally it might save a lot of people embarrassment and it might kind of help people be less uncomfortable and to be fair it works toward everyone's benefit because one of the things i've encountered just touring and stuff is the more and more i meet kinds of people who violate boundaries like for instance in new york i i i met someone i was just going to the bathroom and someone saw me and they they screamed and they like pushed me against a wall and pat me down because they didn't think I was, like, a real person. And they were, like, patting me, like, <laughs> as if I was, like, a robot or something. They were checking for my robot parts. Like, they were just, like, freaking out, just patting my face and, like, everything. And I started crying because I was, like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Like, I'm freaking out. And so after that, I never go to the bathroom by myself. And it's, like, I, it sucks that I have to do that because I want to be, at the end of the day, like, I don't know about everyone else, just speaking for myself. Like, I want to be accessible to my fans. I want to go and mingle. I want to go and, like, talk to people because, like, I can always, I always want to learn everyone's story. And I'm, like, really happy that people came out to my show and I want to, like, hang and be be cool. But people like that ruin it for everyone because it's like, well, okay, now that you guys have demonstrated that you can't be cool and, like, you're going to, like, touch me, I can't go out and hang anymore and a lot of people are going to be disappointed because they came to like ask me questions and like meet me and stuff and now i can't even go out there right because because yeah. people are yeah mind so, your personal space you know like yeah, yeah. don't touch other people <laughs> unfortunately it seems like there there are more people than we want to actually acknowledge that this is like a problem but that that probably need to like practice this skill yeah. before doing this you know of like hey such and such person that I love, you take shits too. Cool, great. Now I feel like you know we can relate on something. Like you put pants on, like this. Me too. Or like you love toast. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know. It's it's. I think that is probably one of the the things of like the the celebrity paradox, whatever you want to call it. Of like, hey, they're just people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Someone said something to me earlier of like um, instead of reading certain publications that promote celebrities and like whatever they're talking about in these things they're like i like to hear like normal people's stories better i'm like don't you realize that like the celebrities have normal lives and normal stories too you just have to ask them a question that's like not related to something that's in the spotlight like it's all the same we're all we're all human we're all here to connect 
I, I feel like a lot of people kind of propagate that weird, like, God complex thing. I hate, like, when someone says, like, oh, I'm not worthy or, like, you know, like, you're, like, a goddess or whatever. Because to me, it, it feels somewhat, uh, like, I don't like to throw this word around, but it does feel somewhat objectifying because it's like, whoa, hang on. Like, I'm a human being. I've had the same struggles as you. It's not like I was just born and I shit, like, my abilities. Like, I had to work for them, too. I, I, w- I had a really hard childhood. Like, I fucking got beat by my parents to, like, get where I am. So, it's like, it's not like I'm a god. I just, like, work for it, you know? So, right. to, to, for someone to just assume that is also kind of, like, I don't know, dismissive. Um, and also, I think a lot of celebrities become somewhat reclusive and um, removed from society in general just because they've been treated like that and nobody treats them like a person and they feel like alone or something. So they have to like isolate themselves. I think if more people just viewed each other as human beings and we're just cool, I think we wouldn't have to be so reclusive. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a complex of, of putting, you know, your idols on a pedestal. And obviously I think for most people, they'd want to just chop it away. And I think it's also then a lot of people is like, you know, paparazzi and like fans and whatever else they then it like you, they dehumanize the person. You know, and like they be like, I think a lot of people become desensitized that like the person is still a person, as we've been saying, you know, and 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 who knows, maybe it was Wayne's world that ruined us, you know, of like we're not worthy, right? Maybe yeah, it was I, good old Alice I Cooper. Get it's a joke. Like, I hope it's always a joke. I hope someone doesn't actually feel like that because it makes me uncomfortable because it's like, I know I'm not any better than anyone else. So it's like, for me, it puts me in an awkward position where I have to be like, haha, no, you're great too. Like, I have to build them up. It's yeah, weird. And it's hard to do when you don't know that person or you have any idea of who they are. Um, it's it's very, it can be very awkward when that happens. And uh, having a conversation with someone um, can really disarm them and make them see the human side. So therefore, it is important for those out there that are messing it up by doing inappropriate things that they get their shit together and they don't do that because um, being able to get on the same level as the people that do respect you and vice versa uh, definitely demystifies it and makes for a much better relationship in this sense between artist and, and fan. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, you don't want you don't want something that prevents you from being able to get to that point with uh with people so you've spoken about it about like meet and greets and just trying to get everybody to realize like dude we're all on the same level and and you have tactics you've you've talked about before you know early on when we started the podcast we would ask you questions about that you would just say you just tell them that like we all do the same stuff like don't freak out like well, it's make it all ab- good you make it about the other person too i mean right. i don't want to i i don't when we would do meet and greets, and I'm sure you can relate to this, it's like everybody comes up, wow, you guys are so awesome. Wow, you're, you know, you're my favorite drummer. You're my favorite guitar player, blah, 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 blah. It's like, cool. Um, I don't want to talk about that because I want to meet you. Who are you? What do you do? What's your job? Where do you come from? How old are you? Do you play an instrument? Oh, what do you play? How long have you been playing? I mean, it's just a series of, of, of steps to get to know someone else, I think, that then they realize, oh, shit, like, I have cool shit going on too. Or yeah. And now you've made a connection with the person. Yeah, so or, actually or, you, go right, or, you, or you find something to, to connect on with that person. So right. it makes it much better. I think um, doing stuff like this and sharing more of your story would maybe make more people come up and be like, Hey, I heard you talk on, you know, this podcast about the, the issues you struggled with growing up. And I think more and more people then will come and be like, Hey, 
because a lot of us have a lot of the same shit, anxiety or uh, certain disorders that, that we're not as open about, you know, or just like not as conscious with, but like hearing other people talk about it, then when they do come up, maybe they will now have something more personal they can share. And then you already have this little bit of like kinship or rapport that then would make it more digestible to start, you know, just, you know, breaking that wall down of like the fan versus the artist kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm an open book. Like I'm happy to talk about any of my struggles and like issues. Cause I think the important thing is to encourage other people to like pursue their passions and stuff and not be demoralized by like bad things that happen or maybe a disability they have or maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, depression, just like, I think it makes, it's important to be relatable because then other people can see like, Oh cool. They did it too. And they have the same affliction that I'm struggling with. Yeah. So maybe not that bad for me too. Yeah. At least that's like, I hope to accomplish in being, um, open with myself. Like when I was really sick, I wanted to be an art therapist. I wanted to go to the hospital and work with people and use art and show them that art can be such a valuable way to express yourself and to get out negative emotions. And it can be like very empowering because it gives you a voice when you feel like you don't have one. Um, that's what I originally wanted to do. And now I find that like, maybe I'm not doing with art as much as I am doing with music. Like I'm going out there and doing something, even if like the odds were against me <laughs> and I'm hoping that it'll inspire other people to like, you know, not be so scared. Cause I was scared. I didn't have any self-esteem. I was like, you know, Oh, I don't know if I'm cut out for this or I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm doing what I'm doing now, and there's a reason. So yeah, and ultimately, I think doing what you're doing now will give you a much larger platform in order to convey that message. Um, yeah. And whether you do it through your music or through podcasts or just getting out there and meeting people on tour, um, that platform is going to be much larger than if you were just kind of working as as a in one place. You know. Yeah, I think um, we were talking about this. You were saying this earlier, uh, but I think this is related to, and this could be good for people to hear as well, that sometimes you might know your why, you know, I want to do this because I want to help people. You just might not know how, but if you know that why, you know, and it's strong enough, you'll figure out how, and sometimes you know how to do something. You just may not know the answer to why you're doing said thing. And if you know how, and you really want to do something, you're not sure the why, I think you'll figure out that why along the way. So I think it's good to remember those two integral parts of like the how and the why, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes like, and we've talked about this before. Sometimes you just say yeah to something because you know why you want to do it. And you just figure the how out as you go. And that's cool too. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's just important to like have all the part, like to feel like you're in control of like are the, all the parts of your process. Like sometimes like also it's fine to just do something because you want to do it. Like sometimes I think it's cool to not have to justify it to anyone except yourself. Like sometimes, like I think some artists feel frustrated. Actually, this is a really, really like relevant topic. I think because I've talked about it with a lot of my friends, but they feel like gradually they started out doing music for themselves, and then labels and like other people got involved, and now they're doing things that maybe they're not that invested in, or they feel like aren't really what they want to do, um, and they are kind of in control not in control anymore like other people kind of dictate their art for them and they feel this frustration because on one hand they want to make art that's genuine and that is like stuff that they genuinely want to do but um they feel like 
they don't have, they can't devote their time to that because like maybe the label or like someone else is like dictating their timeline for them. And they feel the sense of like dysphoria because on one hand they're like pursuing art or pursuing music, but they feel like, um, it's not, they're not really doing what they want to do at the end of the day. Um, and also like being like, I hate that word sellout because I feel like a lot of my friends who work in the music industry, they're making music. Um, maybe that isn't authentic to who they are, but, um, I'm trying to like figure out a way to phrase it. They're making music that's not authentic to who they are, but they're doing it because it's lucrative and that maybe the label like told them they have to do this. And, but, um, they also feel frustrated as an, as a true artist, as a true creator, because it's like, they know that it's not, it's not authentic. It's not genuine to like what they want to be doing, but like they can't make money off of like something right. that's not as mainstream, I suppose. It's a catch 22 <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Um, the end of the at the end of the day though you got to do what's right for you to, to for your yeah. soul right you know you got to do what's going to feed um that ideal vision you know or help create that ideal vision and at some point they will hopefully yeah you know i think it's a compromise between like hopefully you won't have to compromise that's ideal but like i think some people feel like a lot of my friends I've talked to recently, feel like they have to compromise um, authenticity for making money and like surviving. Um, yeah. There's got to be a healthy <laughs> I, balance somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Because you still, you got to make money so that maybe you can still then uh, you know, fund the like the passion project, right? Because not everyone is going to make money off the thing that they're most passionate about. But I think there's got to be at somewhere and there's got to be means to an end of like, I want to feed my soul. And I want to do the things I'm passionate about. So I need to find, I think a lot of it just comes back to that balance, right? Just find, and that's like with everything, we got to find the balance in everything. Yeah. I see it mostly with painting. Like, I think I'm lucky in that the kind of music I'm making is exactly the kind of music I want to make. And I'm in a really lucky position because I don't feel like I've had to compromise any of my music to suit anyone. Probably because I'm, I'm still at a level where I'm pretty DIY, I guess. But, um, I see it mostly with art. Like I have to, I want to paint things myself, but I, I do most stuff for other people. And the key to me staying sane is injecting a little bit of myself into like every commission. So it's like, I'm still getting off on the art that I'm making because it's like a little bit of me, but it's also like satisfying the parameters that they set forward too. So that's, yeah, a, I guess. that's a, that beautiful balance you have to find. Um, and even if you are, Whatever, it is, whatever your creative passion, whatever it is that you do creatively, even if it is for clients, the reason they're hiring you probably is because you do have something that's special. You do have a creative fingerprint, for lack of a better word, that you can put onto it. Um, so I don't think people should shy away from that. Even when you do have very specific guidelines, at least let the first draft have some of you in it. You know? Um, can always edit it out later, hopefully, depending on what it is. Yeah, I think like for a lot of creative people, maybe they feel their fear. Their fear is like maybe if they, you know, do too much stuff for other people, they will kind of like lose themselves in the process, or they'll release something that like one day they'll wake up and be like, "Holy shit, what am I even doing? I'm so far away from like who I originally once was." Yeah. I don't know, that's a, been a, like a common thing. I've been talking to like a lot of my friends and people, and they've all been expressing to me this like weird feeling of um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. like they're doing what they want to do and what they're actually putting out. So I right. think like, I know that ba- it's again, it's about balance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be for every five projects you do for someone else. You do one for yourself, right. you know, just finding whatever kind of ratio. Maybe. And, and if it really gets that, uh, if you feel, if you're feeling like the, the, uh, the balance is really going so heavily one sided and you feel like you are losing yourself for what you're doing. Well then maybe you have to do five things for yourself and then do one for someone else. And maybe then you just have to figure out a way to monetize that one to make it where it actually then, uh, you know, maybe generates enough income that the one thing you're putting out there, you know, can, can help you, you know, and, and maybe that's something that you would just have to develop over time. Because who knows, whatever it is, I, I mean, look, it's definitely, it's definitely out there. I'm sure there are tons of people, not tons, but there are people I'm sure in the, the art world maybe that do pieces for themselves and then they do one thing for someone else maybe because of like the scarcity of it or the, the rareness that they're actually going to do something for someone else that, um, that allows them the ability to, to kind of put a, a certain, you know, monetary price, you know, price on it to make it uh, work for them feasible. You know, to yeah. be able to balance what they want to balance. It's all just yeah. testing it, right? You just you just put it out there and see what happens. And then if it doesn't work, you try again. And when it finally starts to work, you just reiterate that process until it gets stale and you iterate something else. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of like just working through your process and like trying to understand what works and what doesn't. Well, I think you'll. I think your friends would would. Um, your friends are probably lucky to know you because it seems like you are doing for the most part what you want to do and you're finding success in it and it's growing and at the end of the day it seems like you're answering the question for yourself of how you got there through the process and that kind of is the question that everybody should be asking themselves as they go kind of check in with yourself how am i happy am i enjoying this am i doing what i want to do how can i make changes if i'm not it's good to do that and to be conscious of that instead of end up um, way far down the line and then realize, oh fuck, I went too far down the wrong path. You know, yeah, you're like lost in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, How but do you it, find your way back, right? But it seems like from at least from this conversation, and granted, we haven't spent that much time together in the grand scheme of things by any means. Um, seems like you're doing exactly what you want to do, and I think that right there will give people more confidence to probably do the same thing and check in with themselves too so that's good so i mean hopefully you feel good about what you're doing i hope oh yeah i feel really lucky like i really don't have to sacrifice much like i'm doing i think who i am and what i put out um are very much congruent (laughs) like i think i I haven't had to like be in a position where i have to compromise much yet but like i definitely see people struggling with it i've had just a lot of conversations with people recently about that and i like don't even know a good answer I guess, like, I'm just trying to, like, I guess I was, like, interviewing you guys. I was like, what do you guys think is good advice for people who are struggling with that? Yeah. It's like figuring out why am I the beacon? Like, why can they look at me as this light that figured it out? Like, why did I get so lucky, right? Yeah. I I do lucky and grateful. I think, yeah. You go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's a testament to putting all the hard work, you know, into the craft. And I think a lot of that probably comes from, the upbringing and maybe the ups and downs of what you had to deal with, but all of that makes you the person you are now and the musician and the artist you are now. And, you know, who, who knows if you would be in the same position or if you would be so much of a fighter to kind of do the things that you want to do now, if you hadn't gone through all the shit that you went through. 
Yeah. Right? I think definitely it was all there for a reason. I've learned so many lessons too. Like I wasn't born with the exact skill set I needed, but I think life kind of just gave me whatever lesson I had to learn. And along the way you improvise and you just end up at the final destination and you're like, holy shit, like I've grown so much as a person. <laughs> so like it takes like, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you know, took 20 years to be like an overnight success or something. Right. Right. Cause not everyone knows the whole journey or seasonal journey. They're just like, I don't know. I guess they were just born with it. Like, no, I was not born with this shit. Yeah. Like I worked my ass off. Yeah. Even if stuff doesn't seem like, you know, before any of this guitar stuff happened, before I got endorsements, I was putting out videos constantly on YouTube and like, just for fun. Like I just did it because I wanted a record of it and I wanted to show my friends. And then, you know, after doing that for so long, you, you start to get traction and then it caught the attention of like certain companies. So definitely for me, it didn't happen overnight. It was like years of investing time into it. Um, even if it doesn't feel like you're working, like if you practice, if you just write for fun, that's still putting time into something. Yeah. And I like what you said earlier of, of being able to, as long as you do something creative and, and put effort into your passion, at least one thing a day, um, and you're willing to then put it out there, you're going to be yeah. able to find that balance at some point. But look, everybody's life is different. Some people have yeah. different responsibilities. Some people have more or less of those responsibilities. Um, and I, I think the key is to, to just uh, not judge anyone. And I'm not saying that you are a vet, but in general, to our listeners too, don't judge anyone for the choices they make because you don't always know what's going on and why they are doing what they're doing. And yeah. um, some people have more opportunities afforded to them to be more focused on what they love versus having to go out and pay the bills because they got a lot of shit to, to do. And that's that yeah. hard balance. But you always hope that it ends yeah. up on the... on the, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I always say, I always really do call it a privilege because I mean, I was ready to, I was ready to just work a nine to five job that maybe I didn't care about too much, um, out of college, um, just because I thought that was like the safe route. And then now I'm lucky enough in that I don't really have to do that. Um, and I'm doing something that I genuinely love and it doesn't really feel like work to me. It is hard work, but to me, it's not as like, um, emotionally taxing as me just sitting in a cubicle looking at a clock or something. Um, so it is, yeah. yeah, it is a privilege at the end of the day. And I always tell people like, sure, I worked really hard for it. And also, um, you know, it's, I want to say that like hard work is the only thing that goes into it, but a lot of it is luck. It's being at the right place at the right time. And it's also having certain qualities as a person that maybe like help you interact with people more. Like for instance, being sociable, being charismatic, that takes you a long way. I think when any field, like people are going to want to work with someone who's a cool hang versus someone who's like maybe a, a brilliant person, but just is really difficult to get along with. Yeah. So. Well, that's a, that's a very valid point. Well, yeah. that's a, that's a great place for us to wrap up. I think, I think a lot of people will, they needed to hear you say that. That was that was actually really important because, as you mentioned, even yourself being an introvert, you still have to put yourself out there. You still have to be social. You still have to interact with others. Um, no matter how introverted someone may be, you cannot do everything alone. And yep. you, you need to be around other people. So I like the fact that you play in a band with cool people. 
as I said earlier, your drummer is freaking awesome. So when you see him <laughs> later, tell him I said, hey. Um, yeah, let's go. He'll be so happy. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, but no, seriously, it was it was really cool to talk to you. And having not known your story before, um, you know, even the little details that you were willing to share today definitely helped me understand, and I'm sure Justin understand you and your music and the art that you create. But I really do think that the that the people who will hear this um, can definitely take away some good nuggets of of wisdom that you've developed over the years. So hopefully you feel good about that. I hope you do because I think it'll. Yeah. I think this will be great for people to hear. You know. Thanks for asking such awesome questions. Like I really had fun talking about all these things. Sorry, I'm not the most coherent, and my ideas are jumbled. I just woke up. So no, yeah. it's good. No, we, you were great. It was great. We caught you nice and nice and fresh, which is which is good. I think. Uh, you didn't. You didn't have much chance to like think about stuff, so that's good. We want to. We want to catch you off guard a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. We just want you to share your truth, of course. So, and yeah. I think you did a great job of that. For for anyone who may not uh, already follow you on socials, hit us with a couple places where people can uh, hear your music and see your art. Um, I guess don't. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say you looked at my WordPress, but that's like. <laughs> the worst place is all my like emo high school angst ridden art but I just realized by telling people to not go to my wordpress they're gonna go they're, they're, so they're just gonna google go to my search yeah. and it comes up and that's yeah. what we did yeah where can we find you where, where can yeah. where can people find where the more music? relevant pieces that you want people to see <laughs> the most up-to-date place I would say is my instagram like it's just my name at Yvette Young um that's where I post like what I'm working on and all the art doing all the guitar paint jobs I'm doing I post there um, I guess my band has a Facebook. I'm in a band called Covet. Um, we're three piece to play instrumental music. Um, that's C O V E T. C O V E T. That's just you can find us on Bandcamp and stuff. Um, and iTunes, Spotify, etc. And yeah, I guess just I'm on the internet. You can find me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. I'm there, Google <laughs> search me. It's cool, right? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Yvette, there there are going to be. I'm sure there'll be even more questions after this. So if you ever find yourself um, with some time um, and you're open to it, join our Facebook group too, which is just, it's facebook.com slash group slash chocolate croissants. Um, Cause people, there's already a thread where people ask questions that we couldn't get to today. So if you have time and want to answer them, I'm sure people would love to hear from you. Um, yeah, that's, Awesome. But it's a place like where after we share the episode, we always go back and, and, you know, we'll bring up, um, you know, sometimes we'll do like, uh, create threads to discuss the guests or the episodes, or we'll even have people that, that were guests come on and talk. So if you're ever into that, it'd be a really great way to engage with our core audience. So, um, that'd be awesome. But yeah, anyway, we're going to, we'll let you go, but seriously, thank you so much. I'll, um, I'll follow up with you as we, uh, go to release the episode. It should come out next Monday. Uh, so it'd be a pretty quick turnaround, but, um, you know, I'll send you some assets to push out and let people know, and um, we'll make sure to, to to put this out as well. And I'm excited to share it with people and have them hear more about you and, and the and the music. So it's pretty badass. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, I joined the group, so I'll hop on and see if I can reply to. <laughs> yeah, check it out for sure. Cool. All right, well, have a great day, and we'll um we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon. It was great meeting you. You as well. Likewise, enjoy the the West Coast. We're going to enjoy the East Coast. (laughs) It's it's cold here right now. I don't know why. It's cold here too. It's a gray, cold day. I feel like I'm, um, yeah, I feel like I'm in London or something right now. Yeah.
I can't, I'm so bad with the cold. I can't handle it. It like impacts my mood. I get really moody and sad. <laughs> it was 80 degrees here yesterday. And that's got to be like the ultimate testament of like yesterday. I felt amazing. I yeah. was like, let's go do stuff. Let's go outside and play. You know, it's like, I think so where if yeah. you find the right, perfect climate for all of us, just let us know. And we'll all just set up shop there. It's impossible. No, man, it's not impossible. Probably. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see you in a nicer climate, hopefully. Yeah. Sometime <laughs> soon, right? Cool. Yeah. All right. Have, all right, a, great well, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. See you. Right, bye. 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 Hello, Matt here, and you made it to episode 47's end, and I really hope you enjoy the conversation with Yvette. Uh, before we let you go, just a couple things. So again, our sponsor this week is Nata Tattoo. They are a premium, all-natural, all-vegan, and organic tattoo care brand. Their renowned tattoo care kit covers every step of the way from how do you treat your tattoos to how you protect them for looking fresh and healthy as you go along in life with beautiful artwork on your body. Um, they have been kind enough to give all of you listeners 25% off anything in their store. You just have to use the code CHOCOLATE25 at checkout. Now that's CHOCOLATE, all caps, the number is 25, and their website is NAT, A-T-A-T, the number 2.com, that's natatattoo.com. And again, use the code CHOCOLATE25 at checkout for 25% off anything in their store. Uh, we are running a contest this week and next where you can go into our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants and post a picture of your tattoo. Tell us the story behind it. Uh, share some pictures, share some video. We want to know where you got it, uh, why you got it, the whole who, what, where, why, and when. We would love to hear about this. And then we're going to pick some winners who will receive their own uh, Nata Tattoo Tattoo Care Kits. We're going to ship them out. We have a bunch here to send uh, as well as some other prizes from our good friends at Nata Tattoo. So again, head over to Chocolate Croissants Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash chocolate croissants. And you can enter yourself into our tattoo contest to win this awesome tattoo care kit. I have one. I use it on my fresh tattoos and I have nothing but great things to say about it legitimately. So check it out. Uh, lastly, uh, just our final order of business. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, do us a favor, give us a, a review, give us some ratings, uh, get in there and uh, subscribe. You can do that by whatever or, or on whichever podcast app you use. Just search for chocolate croissants, hit the subscribe button, and then leave us a review uh, or a rating, you know, pick the stars, yeah, we'd hope you pick five, but you know, if you don't, you don't. We'd like to know honestly what you think about us, and uh, and we're okay with that, no matter what it is. But anyway, give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe, say hello in our Facebook group. Anyway, guys, we are out of here. Episode forty-eight is next week, and uh, we'll be back. So enjoy your week. Hope you learned something. And on behalf of myself, Jordan, and Justin, I bid you goodbye. <laughs>